The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like COVID romances in a more open world, mm -hmm. establishing boundaries with future in-laws, and emerging from quarantine as a single person. Mm. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that we are not licensed mental health practitioners, and we clearly are not very professional podcasters either. No, no. And to <laughs> adding to our general lack of qualifications, we're adding some alcohol. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cheers. Here Cheers. we go. Yay. Happy three-year anniversary. Mm, I know. Um, somebody in Facebook said, I want to know what they got themselves, what leather gifts they got themselves. <laughs> we didn't get any leather, leather gifts, unfortunately, but we um, went shopping. Yeah, we bought ourselves a lot of other things, so... <laughs> Oh my God, three years. I know, wild. First of all, I cannot believe, wait, we're not, we're, go, we're all out of sorts. <laughs> we're not professionals. <laughs> Please take this advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings. So please shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing thing experience that is love. <laughs> I'm going to giggle this whole show because we're in the same room. No, this is weird. For the first time in over a year. I also was just tripping, thinking about the fact that we've done the podcast for three years, which means we've been friends for like 13 years. Yeah. Well, I mean, we met when I was 21, 20, and I'm 33 now. Is that how old I am? <laughs> yeah. So third 
third anniversary, mm-hmm. um, three years of unprofessional, unqualified love and life advice. And so uh, in honor of all of that, y'all, we want to do a check-in topic um, that is like self-reflective and topical. Yeah. And so we're going to check in about um, the bad uh, advice. Oh, wait. Spencer, <laughs> in the recording of this, edit it all out. Or edit this small part of it out. Because <laughs> this, is, this is what I want to say. Um, so not only is this our three-year anniversary live show, um, before we get into our check-in topic, um, this is our 150th episode, y'all. Like, I cannot believe that this timed out that way. That's wild. 150 episodes. Our sesquicentennial. <laughs> You've been you've been holding on to that word, waiting to say it. Oh, I just love it so much. I grew up next to the Susquehanna River. Oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I'm super excited. But, I mean, 150 episodes. I feel so uh, lucky to do this with you mm-hmm. and lucky to do this with Spencer. And with all of you, you Just Break Up community mean more to me and to Sam and I and Spencer than you could possibly know. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, we're so happy to be here in the same room. I know. This is crazy. This is great. This whole setup makes me feel like I'm in an episode of, like, Black Mirror. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to say that it, you were a daytime talk show host. Oh, I wish. I know. You'd be so good at it. Honestly, I was. So Chris Harrison recently was forced out of The Bachelor, and it was my dream to replace him as host of The Bachelor. You'd be so good because you'd be like, so tell me the drama. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't get famous enough to, to make that happen by the time he retired. All right, y'all. All right, JBU Nation. <laughs> you know what your job is. <laughs> um, okay, so... Out of sorts, but check-in topic for day. We're going to reflect on some of, like, maybe some unsound or bad relationship advice that we used to believe Mm -hmm. in honor of our three-year anniversary, in honor of time passing and growing and all that good stuff. Absolutely. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. Um, So I didn't hear this advice, like, told to me. I more learned it from um, the relationships of people around me. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh, is that you have to do everything together. Oh, yeah. Like the strength of your relationship is like how much time you spend wow. together. Because like, you know, growing up, my parents spent all of their time together. Like they had the same friends and like they they rarely went off and like did their own thing. So like that's how I I learned about what relationships look like is that like, oh, you just spend a lot of time with them. And when I did that in my, you know, first relationships, it didn't go well because it was like you well it didn't and it also didn't go well for my partner who was like do we have to go to bed at the same time like I don't understand why this is happening and it's like I don't know because this is all I know is that we just like do everything together it's so real that that wasn't a lesson you were explicitly told because Mm -hmm. I think I assumed that as well Mm -hmm. and there was also an untold unlearning of it of like oh well I I guess I could just go to bed now because I'm tired and you're not. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's like, I kind of actually don't want to hang out with your friends, but (laughs) I feel like I have to. So Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one. Um, My first one is that actually it might be the first piece of direct relationship advice I ever got. Okay. When I was a teenager and like in a relationship with my high school sweetheart and my sister said, sorry, sister. (laughs) 
Um, she said, if it's not, you know, I always believe if it's not right, it's not right. Mm. And at the time it was like really clarifying because I was like, it doesn't feel right. I think I want to break up. And I kind of like lived by that advice and like told it to many people and was like, you know what, Sam, it's, if it's not right, it's not right. You should Mm -hmm. break up with that person. Not Mm -hmm. really knowing the context and nuance of things. And why I think that's not necessarily like sound advice or like, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't say it on the podcast now. <laughs> sure. Is because um, I didn't know about avoidant attachments. I didn't know about, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know that discomfort was a teacher. Mm-hmm. You know, that like if something is not right, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, mm-hmm. you know, um, or if it doesn't feel right, I should say. Um, but I used to swear by that advice. I think I like definitely said it on one of like our first episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, on paper, it, it like makes a lot of sense. Well, and it's probably also really powerful to teach young people For sure. to trust their intuition. To Especially not... young women. Yes, too. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I I honestly, it helped me when she said it. And not if I love and respect my sister. Because you broke up with an asshole that you were dating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was very sweet and deeply in love with me. Oh, no. Still, I shouldn't say this because he's engaged now. <laughs> Well, cut that out of the main episode. No, but don't it's too leave late it. Now. It's his own fault. <laughs> Nothing happened. He just needs to get his emotions in order before he marries someone. Okay. Oh my god, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Do you want another story? I'll tell you later. <laughs> yeah, when we go get tacos after this, you are telling me this story. <laughs> oh god, I hope no one listens to this episode. Um, okay, so hello live stream. <laughs> um, uh, okay, second one. My second one is don't go to bed angry. Oh, yeah. So many people still believe that. Maybe I, I do, too. But, like, I've definitely gotten to sleep angry and then woke up and been like, oh, I'm not angry anymore. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Isn't that the truth? Like, seriously, I've been in you so need, many like, fights. You need a good REM to, like, realize you're being a dramatic idiot. Oh, absolutely. Where it's just like, oh, in the light of day, this is actually not a huge deal anymore. Yeah, And totally. it's like, and I think that it, it encourages us to do to like focus on the conflict resolution over the conflict itself, right? Like that if we have so to real. resolve it now before we go to bed, then like are we actually addressing any of the deeper underlying issues that well, might be happening? Well, and as we know, some compa- some conflicts are unresolvable mm-hmm. because they are literally just um, mismatching realities, you right. know? Yep. Like you're just never going to see the, it the same way. It's not Absolutely. like um, – it's not like a conflict like you cheated on me. It's like a, you know, little bickering and things like that. Absolutely. I think like better advice would be to be like breathe into empathy before you go to bed. Right? Yeah, like yeah. something that's less of like we have to make things right and more of like how can you sort of check yourself to be like this isn't going to be resolved right now. And so like let's just go to bed and yeah. and wake up in the morning with like maybe a different perspective of what I'm feeling and what my partner's feeling. Well, and now that I'm settling into my first year of marriage. Oh, my God. Mm, congratulations. Um, thank you. Uh, thinking about long-term relationships, too, like that if I'm in this relationship for the long haul, small little grievances, mm-hmm. you sometimes you you go to bed angry. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. Uh, maybe right? like go to bed annoyed. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, or something sure. like that. And I used to th- I used to think that everything had to be a conversation mm-hmm. or everything we had to be on the same page about everything. And that's just right. like not a re- part of reality. Absolutely. Like if I go to bed and the bed's not made, 
and I'm annoyed by it. Like, it's not important for me to be like, well, I'm angry, so now I have to address this before I go to bed, right? It's more like, no, I'm just going to go to sleep. And then in the morning, we can talk about this as like Maybe this is a whole other check-in topic is how do you manage or carry anger or grievances that are not deal breakers? Right. You know what I mean? Like, because- Cause that's, maybe that's my, my second piece of advice is that like true love feels or like maybe not advice, but like an idea about dating, but that like love feels good all the time. Right. So then, then we learn that anger or anything on the spectrum of a quote unquote negative emotion isn't a good thing. Right. But that's not true. Like, of course I'm going to get annoyed with my wife. Oh, absolutely. I'm a human. She's a human, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I think that is a really... How do we move through the world honoring our feelings while also learning how to hold feelings that are maybe negative? Yeah. You know? No, and I think it's like a— Without letting them spill over onto people unnecessarily, obviously. Right. Yeah. But I think it's like recognizing the scale of, of like annoyances or grievances, mm. right? Like, like you're never going to find a person who is going to want to— cohabitate in exactly the way that you want them to. Right. And that's okay, right? And so what are the things that are of a scale that they need to be addressed and changed? And what are things where it's like, well, I am intentionally cohabitating with this person who is like their own person. And so if I want it done this way, then I'm going to have to do it myself because that's not the way that they would do it. And the way that they do it isn't necessarily a bad way of doing it. That is so smart. Um, My... Final one is just the idea that, like, people should fight for you Mm. and that, like, the idea that fighting is um, equates passion and desire, Mm -hmm. you know, not just like less desire, not less desire, but the the desire to be with you. Right. Like, I thought, um, you know, back when I was younger and didn't have as many emotional tools. (laughs) You know, I think I would, I think naturally, like children do, like we all do until we learn a better way. Right. I would and act, adults too. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Until we until we get different tools, yeah. I would act out to especially to satiate my anxiousness. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I would I would act out to get the affirmation yep. of their want and love for me. You know what I mean? I, don't, I can't think of a specific example. And honestly, I probably wouldn't want to share it. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know, a decade ago, but like, you know, that kind of call and response that you sort of see in popular culture on rom-coms that like if you're if you get up and if you slam the door, they should follow you, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, then they don't care. Right. But that's like the most toxic bullshit I think I've ever heard now as like away from that mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. that like not only is it toxic to 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 amplify my unhealthy behaviors to get attention. That true. Yep. I like <laughs> but that. But it also doesn't it also doesn't make space for an avoidant person. It doesn't make space for somebody who has conflict trauma. You know, mm-hmm. like it it's just not healthy. It's just not like a healthy And I, it doesn't make space for different types of conflict style either, right? Yes. Like it's like, you know, if you want to if you handle conflict by like sort of getting small and sort of wanting to take a step away from things that doesn't mean you don't love your partner right absolutely and if somebody's coming at you and being like we have to fight we have to i have to fight for you it's like okay i don't want that though i want to handle this conflict in a different way please yes totally and i think that advice also like leads to just like stalking too right like (laughs) (laughs) yes yes this person broke up with me 
and now I'm going to fight for them. Yep. So I'm going to show up at their apartment in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that is so that that fighting or that fighting for equates passion when it's really just really it can be so often unhealthy. Let me just say that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> the great unlearning of everything. <laughs> I know. It's just so wild how how much bad dating advice there is out there. <laughs> well, I think about it like again and again, I'm reminded that um, we're not given manuals to do this. Mm. You know, like, it's not like we're born and somebody hands us like a huge three ring binder that's like how to be a human in relationship with other people. Um, it's no, it, we, I wish. I know, right? That would and, be so helpful. <laughs> and there's bad advice out there because of, you know, gender norms, because of cultural um, his, histor- history. There's bad advice out there because of rom-coms. There's a million reasons why. Right. But it's it, it to me, it comes down to the fact that we're all just like flailing <laughs> and trying to figure it out and like trying to find cues and trying to find meaning um, in everything when, when we're kind of... Um, when a lot of things don't make sense. Absolutely. Know. No, and I think that that impulse to want to make hard and fast rules, too, is like us trying to exert control over like a really uncontrollable world where like no two relationships totally. actually look the same. That right? is such a great thing to say right now on our 150th episode because I, I've often thought like, you know, you and I just do our best to like answer our let- the letters as like holistically and nuanced as possible but like some advice one you know one advice to one letter might not apply to anybody else in the world or or you know like it's so nuanced and complicated and i think i guess to summarize we're just grateful to be on this chaotic journey with all of you absolutely figuring out as we go along are you ready to get into the first letter of our 150th episode I, every time i say that number i feel like i am in the hunger games or like oh, the, you know effie like the 150th oh, episode may the odds be ever in your favor yes lovers yes head and heart workers may the odds ever be in your fucking dating favor honestly all right it is like the hunger games out it, there it is for real all right so our first letter comes from miranda who is writing from chicago baby Miranda writes, hi, love the show and have felt reassured by listening to other people's problems that I haven't experienced. So I'm hoping that this one also touches a nerve and soothes someone. Mm -hmm. Where to start? I'm a 32-year-old woman who owns my own company and works a lot. I always say that doesn't mean I have a lot of time for dating to explain why I never date. Mm -hmm. But honestly, I think I could make time since I have time for family and friends. If dating didn't completely terrify me. But it does terrify me. So, so far, dating and falling in love has mostly been on my to-do list, the same as buying a new lamp for my kitchen. (laughs) It's something I assume I'll get around to eventually. I've been to therapy and I'm working on vulnerability, but I'm still rusty at it, which is part of my problem here. Q2020. Suddenly, all of my work was canceled last March, and I had no work and loads of time to just sit on the couch and have long conversations over text with strangers, since I was already spending all day reading the news and talking to my friends on my phone. I am a hopeless romantic and impulsively got back on Twitter in May of 2020, hoping to miraculously meet someone and have an amazing whirlwind romance with a man or a woman in my city so that we could meet once things calmed down. But when the romantic miracle I wanted happened, it was a man I met through a mutual friend on Twitter who lives nine hours away, not quite the Chicago lover I was hoping for. 
I don't know how to explain it, but regardless of the distance, the connection and banter was fairly instant. First as friends texting all day long, distracting each other from the bad news all over the world, then opening up and being vulnerable about our own histories and admitting that we looked at each other's photos all the time and really hoped to make out someday. I pulled out all my therapy tools. I communicated, I set boundaries that he respected, all that good stuff. I don't know what it was, but I thought I was finally being healthy in a relationship, and he would make me smile so much. I wrote him long love letters and sent cute selfies, and he wrote me songs and sent me a big box of presents that were all inside jokes. I broke a lot of my own never-again rules to fall for this guy, but none of the rules seemed that important in quarantine, you know? Friends who lived in the same city were basically long distance, so what was nine hours when I couldn't even go to a bar in my own city? In 2020, of Ju- or in July of 2020, after two months of near constant communication, he drove to visit me and we got an Airbnb for the 18 hours that he could stay. I was nervous that we wouldn't connect in real life, but after the initial awkwardness, it was the best date I've ever had. We literally talked until sunrise. My hopeless, romantic heart was hooked. We left, he left and promised to see me soon, but then coming back in August became coming back in October, then became coming back after we're vaccinated. So I haven't seen him since that first date in July. It is June now, and it will have been almost a year since we last saw each other. Mm. We still text and talk every day and send selfies and call each other baby and bae and have our inside jokes. But with the world opening up, I'm not sure what the next step is or even if I should expect anything from him at this point. I've been vaccinated since April and he just got his shot and I just bought a car. So the chances of us hanging out again are higher than ever. But neither of us seems to want to make the first move to actually make plans now that business is picking back up for both of us. So one of the reasons I fell for him and him for me is that we both work really hard and have big goals and ambitions in our careers and that we both love our families. But now that work is happening again, it is more obvious than ever how entrenched we both are in our own cities and families and how impossible long distance will be in normal life as opposed to COVID life. I know the goal of long distance is for one of or the other of us to move, but it seems like a lot of pressure to put on a relationship that has barely gotten off the grounds in terms of actual physical time together, literally less than 24 hours. My friends keep asking when we're going to see each other again or if he'll move here. And it's frankly embarrassing to keep going. I don't know. We're both really busy. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I would say that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. He's starting to feel like my Canadian girlfriend who totally exists is what I'm saying. I know I should flat out ask him what the hell is going on and if we are ever really going to hang out again so that we can get on the same page and make plans. But like I said, work is busy and for me. And frankly, if I stop talking to him, I'm afraid I still won't have time to fall in love with anyone else now that I'm back in real life and not quarantine life. I'm afraid I'm never going to see him again. I'm afraid all my friends all think he's made up or that I'm pathetic. He lives with his ex. Are you okay with that is a big question that I get. I'm afraid I'm wasting my time. I'm afraid of seeming crazy. I'm afraid that if we stop talking, I'll have no one to talk to. And yes, I am sometimes afraid that his ex-wife is skinnier than me and he secretly likes her better, even though he reassures me during my monthly body breakdown that this is not the case. I'm the number one hottie and he hasn't touched her since pre-breakup. I can't tell which fears are rational and which fears are irrational. I want to keep talking to him and loving him and flirting and sending presents and love letters, but I also want to know that there is something growing here or that it could be something more concrete with real plans soon in a way that 2020 didn't necessarily allow me to think about until now. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just wondering how to proceed with this thing that has gotten me through the last year as I proceed into the next year. 
How does something that worked during the weird year that was 2020 work now? How do we become normal? Is it possible? How do I deal with feeling judged by my friends who are in, quote, normal relationships, who get to see each other all the time when mine feels like it's still on wobbly giraffe legs trying to figure out what it is after over a year? (laughs) Help. Thanks for reading. Love you both. Oh, Miranda, thank you so much for writing and for listening to our podcast. Um, Yeah. I feel like this, maybe not the exact um, scenario of this, of like a long-distance relationship that has only been in person for 17 hours, that might not be a very universal um, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> experience, but I do feel like people are experiencing a ton of coming out of COVID, let's call it, mm-hmm. um, revelations, anxieties, fears. You know, we're going to talk more about that later, but um, I feel like... This is an appropriate reckoning, I feel mm-hmm. like. There's a lot of transitions happening. We we just went through, like, a wild year, y'all. Seriously. <laughs> a wild, like, we did that. Like, that's who, we, we survived that. Absolutely. Um, well, and, and we, to be clear, it's also, like, still happening in yes, places, too, and right? We, and we are and were inherently changed by it. And oh, so now we have to figure out who we are now. Absolutely. And I think at the beginning of this pandemic— one of the things that we talked about was that, like, this pandemic is going to change relationships, and right? It, boy, did it. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And it's going to it's going to end some relationships, right? It's because people are not able to see each other or they move in too quickly and things fall apart. It's going to make some relationships stronger because people are going to spend more time to— What are you, what are you mouthing to Spencer? Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The champagne is so good. Oh. <laughs> And I'm drinking it. I'm drinking it so fast that I was just like, I went and reached for it, and I go, nope, nope, slow it down, Demolder, slow it down, Demolder. <laughs> Sorry. This being in person thing Woo. is is not working. I like it better when I just uh, just no, no, assume sorry. that you're yeah, bait yeah. waiting when you can on stare my. Stare yourself in the fucking Zoom <laughs> screen. Exactly. Now I have to pay attention to what you're doing. It wouldn't be a thing if Spencer didn't catch me going. No, 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 no. <laughs> Okay. It's very good, though, Spencer. It is. It's great. Thank uh, you for getting it. Okay. Maybe I'll get some more after the second letter. Absolutely. Pace okay. myself. So, so as I was saying. I'm really sorry. You were saying something so accurate and intelligent and articulate. That was entirely my fault. <laughs> so, yeah. So some relationships are going to be strengthened because of it. Because, yes. like, people, like, we're, they're going to have to spend more time change, together. Good right? or bad. Absolutely. Like, I, feel, I feel much more connected to Peter than I did before mm, the pandemic because wow. we just had to be around each other more. Like totally. I know what his I know more about what his job is like. Like mm. it, I have more context around that. Like I've seen him in places and in um, emotions that I didn't necessarily see him before. Like so that's great. And also for you Miranda, COVID started probably some relationships too. Yes. Where now we have to figure out, like, is this a sustainable thing? So, like yes. Sarah said, even though this isn't necessarily a universal experience, it's— You're in it's, good company. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, like, a lot going on here in all sorts of relationships that we're trying to figure out as we move into a different way of being yes. and a different way of existing. Yes. And that is not to say for people out there who are like, oh, my God, my relationship started in COVID. What does that mean? That it, it, you're You're— COVID relationship, mm-hmm. let's call it. It was not a relationship of convenience sure. per se, yep. right? Um, it just happened 
um, it was ushered along because of certain circumstances. Absolutely. Right. That's it. It doesn't like in Miranda's case, Miranda, it doesn't lessen the quality or value or inherent worthiness of your relationship. Your relationship is worthy, right? You are worthy of a happy, healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that you got together in such a strange circumstance doesn't lessen the value of it. Absolutely. And I also think that people, you know, who maybe moved in together really quickly because of COVID and have spent a lot of time together, too, are also going to have to face this reality of, like, what does it look like when we're able to go hang out with our two separate groups of friends? Oh, my God, so real. <laughs> right? Like, are we going to do it together? Are we going to do it separately? Like, what are the rules? Like, the rules are changing drastically right now. Right. And, and I want to acknowledge that because I don't want people to feel like they're not – they're they're – ill-equipped to be able to handle this like we're all ill-equipped to handle this right now like like none of us have done this before (laughs) yes um yes and that being said Mm -hmm. covid covid um lens removed for a moment yep i want to talk about this relationship as though it is a long distance relationship Mm -hmm. that is not getting its needs met like any other long distance relationship that's not getting its needs met even though I know that it's such a unique circumstance that brought you guys together and, like, maybe had prevented you from getting your needs met, mm-hmm. right? That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but if with, with that lens removed, I want to say, one, Miranda, like I said before, not only is your relationship valuable and worthy, but your needs um, – All of your concerns are valid and just and need to take up space Mm -hmm. in this relationship. Mm -hmm. It's time. It's time. Absolutely. Even even if we were still in pre, like, vaccine, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Even if traveling was harder, even if if health and safety was um, at a higher level. Risk, you know right. what I mean? Yep. I'm not. Tra- I'm not. I don't think that people should like risk their lives for love. But what? I, but I <laughs> that's know- relationship advice that was probably not good for us to <laughs> yes, hear totally. as children too. <laughs> totally. Jack could have fit on that fucking door. Oh my god, he so could have. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what I'm saying is, I know, I know, I know couples who are long distance who quarantine. You know, during the height of everything, mm-hmm. who quarantine for two weeks. And then went and saw each other at an Airbnb or somebody, you know, like went yep. to a safe place to see, to spend time with it. They, they, they made it work. Yep. Humans are wildly resilient and clever and creative. Mm-hmm. And it is time, Miranda, it is time for your relationship to take up more space in your life. And that is a two-way street. You say yourself that you are, you know, you love to work and that you feel like you could make more time for love. Like, I mean, you confess that to us, right? <laughs> so what does that look like in action in your life? Mm-hmm. I want to say lovingly, and as somebody who has done this, who has been like, I'm in a relationship because I call someone baby. <laughs> it's really easy to call somebody baby. It is. It's really easy to – I know that, like, shipping costs are – can get expensive. Mm-hmm. But, like, support the UPS. I mean, US, UP, USPS. There, there you we go. go. Yep. <laughs> support the post office. Um, but, like, that is baseline effort, and now we need more. Right? Absolutely. It's very valid that you want more. Oh, absolutely. I think so. And I, I know that you struggle with vulnerability, right? Because you told us that as well. And it's easier to be vulnerable with someone when you are sort of 
distance, when there's like a safety that you are. When you can look at yourself in Zoom. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. And it's easy to be vulnerable with someone who you have a very wonderful, romantic 18 hours together, Mm -hmm. right, where you are both initially awkward, but then on your best behavior because this was your first date, right? right? It is much more challenging to be vulnerable in ways that ask us to make sacrifices of ourselves or ask other people to sacrifice for us. And so I'm really proud of you for doing this with this man. Right. The fact that you've shown this vulnerability, the fact that you have challenged yourself to find someone and to really engage and tell them about the deepest, darkest parts of you and trust them and all of the stuff that it sounds like you've been working on, you've been talking to a therapist about, like, that's amazing. And now comes the next step of that. Right, which is to dive deeper into what does it actually mean now that we've exited this safe space that we had where I didn't have to ask for too much because it was kind of impossible for us to do it mm-hmm. to actually moving into like, okay, I've done these steps and now I'm going to take the next one, which is asking for what I need, which is to see each other more often or to <laughs> got it. Mm-hmm. Great. Good. <laughs> Or to figure out like what what the next iteration of this relationship looks like outside of this little COVID bubble that you had created for right. each other. And that's right. I don't wanna I don't wanna say that that's easy, right? Like I don't wanna be like, just do it. It, yeah. it is hard. It is really hard to learn the practices of asking for what you need from right. a relationship and even just knowing what you want too. Right. When you're someone who hasn't been in relationships a lot. And or somebody like, who, who loves to prioritize work and loves their city. Abso- you know what absolutely. I mean? Like it's not a clear path of you like moving there. Or, you know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. So like even figuring out what you want from this relationship, I can understand would be really challenging. Right. And that's the work in front of you. That's the work in front of you. New t-shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> Love it. Um, yeah, and actually, I mean, I, jumping off of that really beautifully, um, Miranda, I hear your desires in this letter and your uncertainties, um, and I and I want you, I want to empower you um, to to write down your needs. I want to know where, what are your needs, and also where are they in this relationship? Mm. Um, where are they manifesting? What are you? How is this person making space for you mm. in his life? Mm-hmm. Where are you in his life and and how do you want to show up? I mean, make a list like who is your partner? Who do you, who is who is your dream partner, you know? And how mm, I take that back. What do you need from a partner? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> what do you need from a partner and what are you not getting from this person because you're right. You are at a precipice. It, you're going to go from one world into another and what it, your, your relationship has to move there or get left behind. Absolutely. The TLDR of this whole letter isn't just break up. It's yep. have a conversation. Absolutely. Put it on the table. Be honest with your needs and your desires and be hopeful, be open, be vulnerable, mm-hmm. be ready to accept and give love, but also be ready to say, I want more. Yep, absolutely. We, this this and, and here's one more thing is that people people who might be in those covid relationships who are like finding that they no longer fit in their in their new life mm-hmm. right or mm-hmm. like or maybe who pe- people who get broken up with and 
after we got a ton of letters of people who were like, I got um, stranded with my roommate and then we became romantic and now and now they're not anymore. And I feel, you know, yeah, those covid inspired situations, you know, (laughs) I just want to say that that means that is not that does not define your 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 worth, your value, your lovability. Mm. Um, They didn't. If this doesn't work, Miranda, if this doesn't move into your next phase of your life, like Sam d- said, you did so good. Mm-hmm. You you put your you put your heart out there, and the best thing we can do is tell people what we need and see if they can meet us where we need them to be. Mm-hmm. And if they can't, then there's the answer. Absolutely, yeah. And if if this doesn't if this relationship doesn't move into this new normal that we're part of. It doesn't mean that it wasn't worth it. doesn't mean that it was a bad relationship. doesn't mean that you made a mistake in participating in it. It just means that it was a product of its circumstance, right? right? We talk about this all the time. Relationships are products of timing and circumstance. And and the circumstances are changing now in the same way that circumstances change around so many relationships so much of the time. And this is a big one for sure. Like, don't get me wrong. This isn't like, oh... We got a new dog, right? Like this is like suddenly we are leaving a global pandemic, but that's what relationships have to do. They have to either adapt to new sets of circumstances that are in front of them, or we have to figure out ways to leave them behind and find different relationships that fit our timing and circumstance now. One more thing, your friends. We cannot compare relationships because you might think that they have the more normal of the relationships, but like the... Them living in the same cities is is one of the only common denominators. It is one of the you know they there are every relationship is unique to themselves, mm-hmm. right? And so maybe you know your friend, your two couple friends, they both live in the same city, but one of them is monogamous and the other one has an open relationship, sure. and the and the similarities stop there. So. Um, I guess what I want to ask of you is to not contribute to the stigma about long distance relationships, not to contribute to the shame of not having a relationship that looks like other relationship. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And I understand why you feel that anxiety, but um, I would encourage you to like build a well of confidence in you that like my life doesn't need to look like other people's lives. My life doesn't, you know, like, yeah, my relationship is fine. It may not look like yours, but for sure. Absolutely. And I, I guess that that's calling me out, too, because, like, if you want this relationship to be totally long distance in the way that it currently is, that's also fine. Totally. Right? Like, there's nothing wrong Been with there. your relationship if you don't actually see each other and you only communicate remotely. Right. <laughs> if that's the type, if that is the relationship <laughs> that you want. Yes. Right. And so if it is the relationship you want great, go with it. But if it's not, then then you need to have that conversation. But don't let your friends shame you if what you want is just somebody to FaceTime with and talk to and sext. And while you're busy with work, while you're focusing on things that are more important to you than having an in-person relationship, like that's fine if it's what you want. Yeah. I also want to know why he's still living with his ex-wife. Yeah, we're not going to. Okay. All right. Miranda, have an honest and open conversation. Lean into the vulnerability. Honor your desires. You deserve to take up space. It's time. It's time for this relationship to move and change into this next chapter. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you so much for writing. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. This next letter comes to us from Family Boundaries, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, I have been in a relationship with my partner, he, him, for nearly four years. We met on Tinder, and it turned into a beautiful relationship. We now live together, have pets together, and it seems like we're heading towards marriage slash long-term commitment in that sense. Tinder success story. Yay. Wow. 
as my relationship with my partner progresses, I found myself becoming doubtful that this is the relationship that I want. Feels like it was like a hairpin turn. Yeah, no, there. honestly, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I str- uh, you meant my tender heart, yeah. like <laughs> ah, it's just getting torn and pulled all over. What the is place. this? M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> <laughs> Get it because the twists. I got it. <laughs> He's dead. <laughs> just- He's a ghost. <laughs> He's Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think of all of his other movies that I'm just failing. <laughs> it's like they live in the woods and there's like civilization right there. Uh-huh. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> okay. Um, here we go. I struggle with anxiety So it's often frustrating to try to discern what is reality and what is a product of years of anxious thinking and habits. But I think that there's some truth in my concerns here. My biggest concern is his family. My partner comes from a large family who are all super close. This is fantastic in some ways as I don't come from a close family whatsoever and have dealt with a significant amount of familial trauma around my parents' divorce. However, while lovely people, I often find them intrusive. My partner spends a significant amount of time with his family every week at their request, and now I do too, by proxy, as we live together. Everything is collective. Our pets are also their pets. Our home is also their home, etc. They invite themselves over, have a lot of influence on our decisions, uh, on the decisions he makes about his own life. His mother and siblings are highly protective of him. To the point where his mom has said pointed things as a, quote, joke to me about how I'm taking him away from them, how he's not spending as much time with them, etc. Clearly, this is uncomfortable for me. I have been able to deal so far. I am in school, and I am able to keep myself busy away from that family system. I often worry, though, about what will happen when slash if we try to plan a wedding, have kids, move away from them. Mm. I'm worried that my partner and I will not be able to live our full lives together as a couple and as individuals due to his family. Mm. I worry that my own boundaries will be crossed more and more as our relationship progresses more seriously. As I'm an avoidant person, I am often left with the thought of should I leave this relationship entirely, just deal, or try to figure it out. I love my partner so, so much, but I'm not sure if I'll end up resentful of him and his family later on. Anyway, how should I deal with family boundaries and their influence on my relationship? Any help is awesome. I know. Thank you so much for writing family boundaries. This is a wholly unique question that we've never answered. Yeah, no, and I'm also watching the show Kevin Can Fuck Himself, mm-hmm. which is, like, about, like, a sitcom family, but, like, the the dark side of the sitcom family where it's, like, her husband is this, like, hilarious man, right. but then, like, she's deeply unhappy because all of his, like, family's around all the time. Starring Annie Murphy, that's yes, her last yeah. name, and from so, like, Schitt's Creek. Yes, and that's so, like, reading this letter, I was, like, picturing in my head, like, you as Annie Murphy, like, just, like, so fed up with your partner's family. Yeah, totally. Um, I feel like, uh, so I have seen this play out in real life um, mm-hmm. in in loved ones of mine. And this is really tricky. I do want to make, so I want to make space for the fact that you said you have an avoidant, that you're slightly avoidant, you're very anxious. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make space for that. And I also want to like, or call out that and call or call in mm-hmm. to the space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And also call in the fact that you say you love, love, love your partner, mm-hmm. you know, that you're happy, right. that right. you didn't say I am 
miserable. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, you said, you, you like love him very much yes. and are super happy with him. Yes. So I'm going to talk as though you're going to move forward with this mm-hmm. because in the long run, I would hate for you to leave a happy, healthy relationship because you're afraid of something that could happen. Right. Right. One day. Right. Um, and I want, I don't want anxiety to take that from you. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, obviously relationships are nuanced and complicated and I don't know For what's sure. going on in your relationship other than that. Um, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to talk about strategies about moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is really the the way to go. Like there's right. something in your letter that's like, oh, you're completely incompatible. But I do think that there are things that need to coalesce together. Yes. Right. That that are going to help you make this a relationship that's going to work really well for both of you. Yes. Uh, Because I don't think, I think you're right to sort of fear intervention in this. Like, and I think that you're not making this up, right? Like this is all really happening. So what are some strategies that you can do to help establish some boundaries with your in-laws in ways that are going to help support you and your partner? Yes. So as I was saying before, um, I've seen this sort of story or life experience play out Mm post-marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it is what you say it could be, right? right? When those boundaries go unchecked, when we have different... um, when when we have different family styles, that can be really challenging. Yeah. Um, and the biggest takeaway that I can, the biggest lesson I can like absorb from watching that play out um, in in other people is Sam and I always say that like no one can uphold your boundaries except you. Right. But in this case, <laughs> but in this case, yeah. your partner must, and I say must become an advocate mm. for your shared boundaries as a couple. Yeah, no, that's real. They I ha- love that this is the exception to that rule. It's like, well, it's true. You have to uphold your boundaries, except for in this instance. <laughs> well, I feel like, <laughs> particularly in this instance, there's like so many dynamics at play. Like, of course, you want to be nice to the in-laws. Oh, you know absolutely. what I mean? Like, you don't want to take their baby away from them. You want to be kind. Um, and 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 also, like, Another reason why your partner has to be an advocate for these boundaries is that if you uphold them alone and they are silent, it immediately paints you in a picture, paints a picture of you and immediately makes it a you versus them thing. Mm -hmm. And it's not that it's not a versus thing in the first place, but it is a your boundaries as a family, as a couple. Right. And how they interact with the family Um, and how this can happen, honestly, I have no lived experience in this, but no, that's not true, actually, because um, because of what my wife has seen unfold, like in couples that we know, she uh, has been really amazing at making sure that her boundaries with her family are not my boundaries, mm. right? That they're different. Mm-hmm. That they just because again, don't do everything together. Just because, <laughs> right. just because um, you're a couple, because just because you're a you know a unit doesn't mean that. And, and may, even even in marriage, if you marry into that family and that family becomes your family, mm-hmm. that does not mean that your partner's boundaries are your boundaries. And right. they need to be the point person, I really believe so. Oh, absolutely. I think that you need to you need to engage your partner in this work. Yes. And he needs to be able to see some of the boundaries that you are wanting to put up. And at the same time, you also need to see that his family is an important part of his life, right? Too. And they have a different relationship to reality than you do. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And it might be important for him 
to engage his family in decisions about the wedding or in decisions about how you raise your kids. And that's not a bad thing, right? But you need to talk to him about what your collective level of comfort is about how much they're engaging in those decision makings, right? right? Because like... It might be that you're completely incompatible. It might be that he's like, nope, I kind of want them to be involved in everything. And you're like, absolutely not. I don't want them involved in anything, right? But I think that if you can have a conversation with him about this specifically, you can find a place where you both might not be super perfectly happy, (laughs) but where you can both sort of have a level of comfort that makes you both able to continue this relationship that seems so wonderful and healthy in so many different ways besides this part. That what you just described is like what we were talking about during the check-in topic of like real relationships. Mm-hmm. Real relationships are not 100% comfortable right. and happy all the time. That right. is impossible. It is, for sure. Yeah. And that should not be that should not be our expectation of ourselves or our partners, right? But right? what is our what is the what is the threshold of our comfortability mm-hmm. and what can best support us during the times in which we are uncomfortable or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. Um so obviously you need to have a conversation with your partner and this is this is going to be an ongoing conversation, and you don't have to say like your family is ruining ruining everything. <laughs> you know, you can say like this has been wearing on me. I love your family, but I'm anxious about this. Like, how can we best navigate this together? Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable setting boundaries with your parents? Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, here another thing I wanted to say was. Um, When you get married or when you decide to commit that life together in whatever form that looks like, that you're you become the family like you and your partner are now your family. Right. Right. And they are an an, a part of your extension uh, or extension of your family. But like if you go on to have children or to build a life together or make choices for your life, it is. You're, you are making those choices um, to protect and honor your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can think of it that way. You truly can. And I think I think um, child like having children cl- makes that click for people. But obviously sure. this applies for people who don't have children. Um, it becomes your world. I, I mean, your your kingdom to grow and to protect as you see fit. Absolutely. And um, you can start thinking of it that way, I think. Yeah, and I think you can think of it that way now, too, even before mm-hmm. you get married, right? Like, you don't need a ring on a finger to have a family unit, right? <laughs> and I think um, I think what's going to serve you best is to really approach those conversations with curiosity with him, right? Mm-hmm. To say, okay, so, you know, we've been talking about getting married. How do you see your family being involved in the decision-making around the wedding? Yeah. Right? How do you see them involved when we have kids? And then say, okay, well, this is where I would like for us to be, right? Like this is the level of decision-making that I would like them to have. Can we find a place of of compromise? Can we find a place of agreement? And then make sure that you're both on the same page so that you can present a united front to the family, right? So that you can both, exactly what Sierra said, uphold your collective boundaries as a unit and not just what your boundaries are and what his boundaries are being misaligned or mismatched. Yeah. And the the phrase that just popped into my mind hearing you talk 
was um, it's not just about the individual decisions about wedding planning and kids and stuff, but this relationship is your sacred thing, you mm-hmm. know, and that it should be treated as such, yeah. you know, um, and that your partner and you, even though you might want to avoid this, even though it's uncomfortable, you have a right to create that little sanctuary for yourself. Absolutely. In terms of like moms making petty jokes, like sometimes we can't, no, always we cannot control <laughs> other people. Yep. And 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 in-law mom obviously has some insecurities about losing her baby mm-hmm. to um, another person. You know what I mean? Sure. Like yep. that is just part of her lived experience. And sometimes we have to say like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> right. Just got to be cheerful and stupid sometimes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think moving forward, just having these conversations, I, I guess the biggest parting advice is that, like, this is not impossible. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's worth it. Right. Yeah, it's sure. worth it to, like, move into a different discomfort to see yep. what comes of it. Um, and then you can build your little kingdom as you see fit day by day. Absolutely. And this sounds like a relationship worth fighting for, right? So (laughs) I think that this is, I think that this is a good conversation for you to have because it might also build up some practice in, in how you continue to have these conversations so that you can allow it to grow in the way that you want it to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Family boundaries. I know this is a thousand times more complicated and tricky than what we just said. (laughs) So I just want to like nod and (laughs) wink at that. Um, And I also want to really quickly say I have no idea what your partner's skills are when it comes to conflict and boundary setting. So that's a whole other hurdle. Um, But I could suggest this really great podcast, Just Break Up, for him to listen to. (laughs) Just Um, send him this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that this is possible. You deserve it. You both deserve it. Um, And it sounds like you got a good thing going for you. Absolutely. We love you. Thank you for writing. Thank you so much. All right. Our third and final letter comes from Helen Highwater, (laughs) who's writing from London. Dear Sam and Sierra, first of all, I want to make it very clear that I know my question and the points I bring forward in this letter make me an utterly selfish and horrible person. But honestly, I don't know what else to do other than explain myself to two strangers across the ocean. First of all, not a bad person. Mm -hmm. Not like literally not even like like, I don't know what you're referencing. Yeah, no, honestly, we both read this letter and we're like, nothing about this seems selfish or horrible. So. Yeah. So. Stop that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we disagree. Yeah. All right. So here it goes. I am anxious about the world reopening and normal life resuming. I'm not anxious for any health reasons. A few of my family members have passed from COVID and I've seen what it does to people. So I understand how devastating this period has been. But my anxiety comes from knowing that my loneliness is about to hit high levels again. Mm. Since everything locked down and nobody was really allowed to see each other, my loneliness and lack of a love life was gently nudged away because I didn't have to think about it. Nobody was allowed to see each other, so I didn't need to think about why I was so bad at getting past the the talking stage or why I could hardly get a second date or why I could never maintain a relationship. Pre-COVID, I used to be plagued by thoughts of how alone I felt. I even went to therapy to try and help. Then, like I said, COVID hit, and I could fool myself into thinking that it was all somewhat out of my control. I no longer need to obsess over how I could improve my personality or make myself more lovable or desirable because the government and COVID kind of took care of it for me by shutting down the whole country. Again, I know this makes you a horrible person, but I was kind of comforted by the thought that 
even though I was lonely, it was okay because so was everybody else. Mm. Places and opportunities are reopening now. People are able to meet more freely, and I honestly, instead of feeling like I have some semblance of freedom back, I feel like I'm unraveling. The lack of feeling wanted or desired or even the lack of stupid flirty texts is back down to me to take care of or at least think about every day. To make matters even worse, I was recently made redundant, so I thought I would treat myself to a cheap play at a small community theater. I got to the venue, took my seat, and there in the corner was a man who I had some sexual relations with for some time, sorry to sound like Clinton, but who ended up ghosting me. He was there on a date with someone he met a few months back, something he refused to do with me as he didn't see me as the kind of girl you take on a date. Mm. I would like to make clear that I didn't feel anything towards him, that they genuinely looked beautiful together, but I just kept focusing on them holding hands and slowly my brain started to think about all the couples in the vicinity. Mm. I know I should focus on friends, family, and finding a new job, and hand to God, I'm doing all of that. But I can't help thinking about the last time someone held my hand or somebody wanted to make me happy or take care of me or even had a crush on me. It's been so long. How do I step back into a world that's full of reconnecting when I so desperately want a connection but find it so difficult to hold on to one? How do I move back into having to claim responsibility for the, for being this single when I know how much pain and self-doubt comes with it? Thank you both for even reading this letter and thank you for the kindness you have shown to the wonderful JBU community. Oh, Helen, thank you so much for writing. I... Helen, I love you. Mm-hmm. I love you deeply and genuinely. I love your worrying and full heart. I love your compassion. I love that you saw beauty in that couple at the theater. And I love I love all of the parts of you that you don't love. I love your anxiety and your fear. Um, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I love every word you wrote. I hate that you're experiencing this fear, um, but I, I'm in awe of your vulnerability. I'm in awe of the bravery that it took to even feel these things and then write them down. Absolutely. Um, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love you. Seriously. Um, and I guess I also want to say, like, you beat yourself up at the in the first line of this letter. Mm-hmm. But of course it comforted you. Absolutely. Of course it comforted you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about like, oh my God, here we go. <laughs> the waterworks people, here they come. Yeah. <laughs> so recently I saw somebody who I knew there, like, what I'm trying to say is, Helen, like, are you, if you're a bad person, so am I. Because I recently saw mm-hmm. somebody who I knew was trying to get pregnant mm-hmm. and they told me that they weren't. And I thought, oh, thank God. Right. Mm. Even somebody who I love and who I would be so happy for if they were pregnant. And also like people out there trying to conceive um, who have felt this sort of weird jealousy that like makes you feel like a dirty, terrible person. I feel you. I'm sorry. Um, It's weird. I never thought I would feel something like this. But Helen, like, of course, we feel comforted when we feel less alone. Of course, mm-hmm. that is the foundation of humanity, Absolutely. right, is, yep. is, is a de- desire to feel less alone. And when you felt comforted that other people were alone, too, what a beautiful human you were. Like, mm-hmm. way to find the community there, right? Way, right. way, to, way to, I don't know, it just makes sense. I feel like it's so easy for us to, to, 
to, to think the worst of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, to think that I'm a terrible person for being relieved that I don't have to deal with a pregnancy announcement, you know. But of course, of course, I'm relieved. Of course, it is easier. Right. Isn't it nice when things are easier? For sure. When things were hard and now they're easier. Like that's that's what happened there, Helen. And now it's going to get harder again. But that's OK. Yeah, and I don't know who told you that your feelings were selfishness, but that person was lying to you, right? You having feelings of loneliness, you having feelings of relief, you having feelings of pain are not selfish in any way. You're not a horrible person for feeling things, right? Right. And I think we just like so many of us tell ourselves over and over again that the feelings that we have somehow make us a selfish person, Right. And and none of that is true. None of that is real. It is we are human. We have emotions. We are beautiful in the fact that we can feel emotions. The fact that like the fact that we as a species have evolved to feel such a complicated emotion as loneliness or a complication or a complicated emotion as sadness over this pandemic and relief for the the peace it has brought us at the same time is amazing. It's right. beautiful. It's wonderful. And and I just want to make it clear to you that the fact that you're feeling these things does not make you a selfish person. It makes you a human. It makes you somebody who is worth loving, who is, who is somebody that I have a lot of respect for and a lot of love for, because that's what it means to be human, is to have complicated emotions and have them feel like they are at the expense of others sometimes. Right. But, but it's just, it is what it means to be human, and it's beautiful. So I want you to take that part of you that keeps telling yourself that feeling this way somehow makes you a bad person, and I want you to say to that that part of you, I know that that is not true. I know that that is not true. Right, totally. And Helen, I want to ask you, what would your... How would you treat yourself? How would you talk about yourself if you deleted the shoulds from mm-hmm. your um from your internal repertoire like i should be with someone i shouldn't feel this way i know i should work on this more i shouldn't fe- i shouldn't um want this i should be grateful all of this sure right Sure. Right. <laughs> right. It's not enough that we have a cult of couplehood, you know, that, that our oh, society sure. presents this cult of romance, that that is the that is the ideal. And if you are not that you are broken. Right. Like that's crazy. No, absolutely. <laughs> On top of that, we there are so many shoulds like I feel so much. I wonder what you would feel like in your heart if you stopped feeling like you weren't enough. Mm. If you stopped feeling like you needed to fix X, Y, and Z about you. And I and Sam and I say this a lot, and we're really trying to do this not to like be po- so positive, like and and toxic in that positivity. Um, to and I don't want to in that. I don't want to make you feel like this isn't hard. This is so hard. It is so hard. Right. Absolutely. And, and Sam and I are sitting here with you saying, I'm so sorry you're experiencing this. This sounds like so much to carry. And mm-hmm. we're also saying, without a doubt, you are lovable. Mm-hmm. I know that. I know that in my core. I just got chills. Mm-hmm. I just got chills. I know that you are a holy and undeniably lovable person. Absolutely. And that does not 
That does not fix this problem. That's the fucking truth of it. Absolutely. That's real. Our lovability and our inherent worthiness doesn't fix loneliness. Yeah. But it is something to warm us and it is something to build ourselves up upon as a foundation. Mm -hmm. And so I offer you that. I offer you myself as a witness to your worthiness. I offer myself as a witness to your pain, Mm -hmm. right? How much do we just need our pain to be seen and validated by somebody else? For sure. Absolutely. And I don't know if you're like me, Helen, but I sometimes get into this trap when where I think that I'm the most fucked up person, right? And that everyone else around me is handling things so much better that I am like uniquely ill-equipped for this life, right? Like that I that I am the only one who seems to be struggling in this. And I want to say to you that that is also not true. And I have to say this to myself all the time, right? Like when I look around at people who are coming out of quarantine and are able to just sort of like be social and be around people. Like the story I tell myself over and over again is like, oh, I'm I'm struggling with this so much more than everyone else's. Like I'm so, I am have such a deficit in me that I can't figure out how to just snap mm. back into this world, right? And that's not true. I, it feels so true. <laughs> like it feels so true. And yet I know that it's not. And so I want to say that to you too, Helen, like, you are not ill-equipped to handle this transition in right. ways that other people are equipped, right. right? You, This is hard. This is really, really challenging. This transition from where we've been to where we're going is going to be a big one for all of us. And you are just as equipped to be able to handle it as everyone else around you. Right. Which is to say, like, poorly equipped, right? Because yeah, we're yeah. all poorly equipped, right? <laughs> but at the same time, like, you have it in you to figure out what comes next because you have made it here to this, to this moment. You've made it. Like, even though you were sad, even though you were lonely, like you found ways to continue to move forward and you're going to do that again. You are going to figure out how to do it. And you are not uniquely messed up. You are not so deficient that you're never going to figure out how to make it happen. You're just going to do it because that's all we can do as people is just continue to find ways to figure yeah. out how to make it work. Yeah. Right? And how do we make it through hard things? Just by doing it. Like That's all that we can do. One day at a time. Absolutely. One uncomfortable, painful, lonely day at a time. And that is not to say those days aren't hard yep. or painful. They are. But sometimes, sometimes they get easier. Mm-hmm. Always they change. Yes. Always. That is going to be the constant in this transition, right? Like, I know that things get harder and easier and they ebb and flow, but they, we are so resilient. Mm -hmm. And that resiliency is founded in our ability to change, right? And so, what does tomorrow look like? It's going to be different for you, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that to say that you're going to wake up tomorrow like married with 17 kids, (laughs) right? Right. But I'm saying tomorrow is a new day, it's a scary day. It's a scary day to be a human, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it together. And and we believe in you. We we don't believe in you in like a go team, go ki- go kiddo. Yeah, right. Like get it, buddy. Right. Um, but I believe in you inherently mm-hmm. as a human because yep. I see your humanness reflected back to me. Absolutely. Yep. And I I see so many parts of myself in you. Yes. That that I can't help but feel camaraderie towards you and I can't help but feel a connection because you seem like such a wonderful, beautiful person and 
and I want you to feel the love that that Sierra and I are sending to you all the way into England. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Across the pond, as they say. Yeah. Um, Helen, on good days, you're beautiful. On bad days, you're beautiful. You are ever-changing, ever-becoming, and we're honored to talk you through this small chapter of your life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We hope that this helps. We love you so much. All right, everyone. So this brings us to the blind date segment of our show. This is when we try and set you up with something we think you're really going to like. This week, our blind date is... Time out. This means we have given 150 things that we like. Whoa. I don't think I like that many things. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so funny because like the blind dates are the most challenging part of this entire podcast for us. So the fact that we've done that 150 times is remarkable. It's not hard because we genuinely love everything we suggest, but like... We are just not that active of humans, you know, like, <laughs> it's hard to consume so much stuff. And like, you know, in the yeah. beginning, it was easy for like the first two weeks. Yeah, for sure. We were like, oh, this book that I read six years ago. Yeah. But now it's like, OK, now I have to read a book every week in order to like. <laughs> Speaking of. Oh, great. Perfect. OK, so my blind date for today is the book How the World Passed, A Journey Across the Country That Black America Built by Clint Smith. So this book came out in May of 2021. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. It's a nonfiction book. Um, It's a intergenerational story of how slavery has been central in shaping America's collective history. And Mm. here's the fun trivia. Clint Smith um, is a poet. And in 2016, he published a poetry book through the publishing company Write Bloody, which was the first poetry company that ever published my books in 2009 and 2000. I don't know. Um, So uh, Clint and I are right bloody um, in in the right bloody family together. Um, He's a fantastic poet, obviously an amazing uh, nonfiction writer um, hitting that New York Times bestseller list. Um, So I'm so honored to suggest it to all of you. Again, it is How the World Passed by Clint Smith. Awesome. I can't wait to read that. Me too. I'll take this moment to share how much we genuinely mean it when we say we love you, um, how much, um, how in awe we are of the community that we've built, um, the work that you guys do in your personal lives and on the fucking Facebook group. You guys are so (laughs) cute. I can't even handle it, but also like not cute, like devastatingly real Mm. and honest and, um, And I also sentimentally have to say I get to work with my two best friends in the world and we somehow have an amazing working relationship (laughs) to make a product and a podcast that I'm deeply proud of. So thanks, Sam. And thanks, Spencer. I love you so much. Um, Yeah, I love you too. Yeah. Anything you want to say? No, I would just say that you said it beautifully. And I'm so appreciative of all of you who are here um, bought tickets from us, our Patreon supporters participate in the work. It's just, it's unreal to be unreal is part the word. of this community um, and to see you all coming around us and each other in such meaningful ways. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that would be a really beautiful place to end it, <laughs> but I'm going to keep talking per usual. Okay, great. <laughs> I was going to jump into the outro, but no, let's I go want for you it. to, I just, like you said that and it, um, you know, what is also amazing, y'all, is that we've done this for three years, mm. three million downloads. Um, but it has also been like some of the most transformative, difficult. 
help me out. <laughs> this is where you start talking. Yeah. <laughs> Difficult years of our lives. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, it's been it's been so strange to be going through such a transformational change, I think, in both of our lives. Yes. Right. Um and be part of this community where you all look to us to know what we're talking about, right? Like it's yes. profoundly humbling to think like I have learned so much in the past three years about life and about myself and about relationships. And that learning seems to be connecting with folks in such a profound way. And that learning is like reflected back to us too, right? Like the ways in which you all speak to us is so profound. Like you're so supportive of us and you're so like, we really like, to, like supported us through some crazy shit. Absolutely. And it's just, I um, am in awe of the fact that I'm in awe of the, the human connection that exists in this world. And the fact that like, it's coming together in such a profound, beautiful way. And like, I do this podcast, honestly, with the selfish intent to change the world, <laughs> right? Like, I do this because I just think that if we can all come together and talk about these things and change the ways that we interact with other people and change the ways that we are in relationship with each other, it's going to create a world that is so much better than the one that we currently have. And the fact that you all are participating in that just gives me so much hope and faith that we can do something different than the shit that we're currently in. And I am so appreciative of all of you for for wanting to be there with us and to to also supporting us and guiding us in so many different ways too. Like, it's just amazing and remarkable that this is happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find some sweet merchandise. Some of it is still discounted. Check Amazing. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please remember to hit that follow button so that you can get a new episode every Monday exclusively on Spotify and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as free tickets to any live stream yes. shows that we do. That's patreon.com slash pod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, editing, producing, managing, live show setup, champagne, buying, <laughs> everything <laughs> by our amazing friend Spencer Worth Davis. If you all were in the room with us, I would make you give him a rousing round of applause. Absolutely. Everything we do is because of his love and labor and support. Um, please check out his music because it's actually really fucking good. Super good. On Spotify under the name Big Cats. And remember, this heartache, this mistake, this current joy, this struggle is just a small part of your story. It is a drop in the ocean of who you are and who you are becoming. You may believe that you are made of doubt or of mistakes or of shame. But again, that is just one part of you. If that is there, then there is joy and hope also. You contain the expansiveness of the universe and even love 
was made for you. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>